world is becoming more unglued by the day. Local consequences are now showing up. We are seeing sky-high gas prices, higher food prices, shortages, and more. How should you respond? Go to redpills.tv slash patriot. That's R-E-D-P-I-L-L-S dot TV slash patriot. And secure your long-term emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. My Patriot Supply is by far the largest preparedness company in America. They're in stock and shipping quickly in unmarked boxes to your door. Their emergency food supplies last up to 25 years in storage. When you need it, it'll be there. Lunches, dinners, drinks, and snacks totaling over 2,000 calories a day. Get free shipping on any order over $99. Again, go to redpills.tv slash Patreon. journey of conversations on the fringe no audio And welcome to the Red Pill Projects Conversations on the Fringe. This is where we talk about those conversations that are outside the normal, outside of the unusual, the ones that go bump in the night. We got a little bit different of a background. That's why we're a little late. We got a third person with us here tonight. So we got a packed house. So I had to open up the vision here, I guess. It's actually a pretty cool backdrop. But but anyway, like so this, is, this is where we talk about... 
the things that go bump in the night, the the conversation on the fringe, the fringe topics that people don't typically talk about in their everyday life. And yes, we're going to talk a little bit about the Twitter exchange. I'll kind of do a summarization of that to begin with. And then we're going to jump into a conversation about the crossroads. And then uh, if we have time, and I think we're going to, we're going to talk about DNA frequencies and a lot of other stuff. Tonight, I am joined by Vince Tagliavia. And hey Summer, if you guys recognize Summer from the, the Zoom, and she was on Fringe uh, a few weeks ago, um, an incredible hey. researcher who's doing tons of good stuff out there. So, and, and go ahead and do an audio tech for you guys. Oh, yeah, we're good. Okay, we're good. I'm seeing it over here. Echo. What the hell are you talking about? Echo. Who has an Echo? Can we get can we get a comp check for this and, and see what's You sound good, on? dude. Someone said grits, grits. Saying there's an echo. Sounds. I don't, I don't hear no echo. Sounds tip top magoo to me. Tip to me, top to me. magoo for me. All right. Um. Okay. Let, let's just get this started. So today, Elon Musk came out and he said that uh, they were going to do a. A release of this information pertaining to the censorship of Hunter Biden's laptop that happened internal to Twitter. Um, I was posting most of them and then I fell asleep. I got caught up. They didn't post too much more afterwards. Um, it seems to be the buzz of the town. Uh, when looking at this on my Telegram, which we posted the majority of the big ones, uh, yeah. one of the things that I saw was uh, the Democrats basically calling for more moderation. Um, believe saying that the First Amendment isn't absolute, which is uh, pretty bad. We had VJJ over there, Gotti, who is the one who kept the censoring of conservatives during the hundred laptop um, scandal from the CEO at the time, Joe, uh, Jack, which is quite interesting. And it seems that they were collaborating directly with the Biden White House and the Trump White House, but it was definitely uneven that there was more content moderation coming from the Biden White House than there was from the Trump White House. And this means that your federal government, the executive branches, and I'm look, I, I will talk about this all day long, the Trump White House and the Biden White House, okay, had egregious violations of the United States Constitution. Both of them did, from what I've seen. What that means is that the White House had people who were in direct communication with big tech, okay? And at their discretion, were sending information over the big tech saying, censor this person, censor this person. That is fascism when it's done in private. It's communism when it's done socially. And in the constitutional republic, that's an egregious violation of the United States Constitution that is punishable with prison. That is an impeachable offense. And some people would even look at that as treason. So that's kind of what we learned. Um, James Baker's name, who is the former general counsel of the FBI, was mentioned in there as well. Um, not too significant in the role that we saw with the FBI, but we know the FBI was definitely involved in this. Um, what does that mean moving forth? There is going to be congressional investigations into this, congressional subpoenas when the Republicans take the House back in September. You're probably going to see uh, a subpoenaing of uh, congressional emails uh, pertaining to communications with Twitter, especially from the Biden White House and the Trump White House, I would assume. 
and they're they're going to investigate this. And I think people will probably go down because of this, because of the censoring, because this is an egregious violation of the Constitution. Now, if nothing happens, it's business as usual, and there you go, right? <laughs> That's the world we live in. Um, I think as more of this comes out, I believe they're going to be doing more document releases as well. As more of this comes out, we'll talk about this more probably Monday night on The Daily Dose. But tonight is Friday, and we do have this kind of like secret pact between everybody that we don't really talk about politics tonight. That we dive into various different topics and we just have fun with them and we run with them. And so for everybody who's new out there, on the conversation on the fringe, we really don't talk about the politics side. We kind of dive into various different conspiracies. Usually we have a guest or we bring on a panel or friends like this and we just talk and and have fun and, and see where the conversation really goes. Um, but this is more reserved for ideas, concepts, conspiracies, mysteries, these types of things. Um, there is one topic I wanted to talk about for a long time, and this is Crossroads. Um, I saw this video pertaining to Bob Dylan. I was like, whoa. I started looking into it. I was like, whoa, whoa. I did it my Joey Lawrence. Whoa, right? <laughs> did my Joey Lawrence. And then I'm like, this is crazy. Like, is this real? And you almost want to go try it, but you don't want to go try it. Right? It's intriguing, though. It, yeah. It's really intriguing. So what is... What are the crossroads, I guess, is is kind of what we're talking about here. Now, I know Summer wants to jump in on this because she did a ton of research on this. But let me <laughs> let me just start off with with kind of what is seen in folklore. Crossroads may represent a location between two worlds. And as such, a site where super, supernatural spirits can be contacted and paranormal events can take place. Symbolically, it can be a locality where two realms touch and therefore represents liminality, a place literally neither here nor there, between or betwixt. So that's kind of interesting. Um, and then we saw Eric Clapton's song there at the mm -hmm. crossroads. Yes, but I think historically speaking, there are multiple crossroads. Mm -hmm. Well, there yeah, are definitely not just one. Right. And, and and that's kind of the thing, too, is is some of these people will say that for the crossroads, it's not just specific to one location. It's just any crossroad that you come to that you go to specifically at midnight. Right. Well, and this is the parts that I didn't know was kind of like what was behind all this. So I want to play this two minute video of Bob Dylan and kind of set the path for where we're going to go with this. So let's, let's do, do this two-minute video. I got to change the audio real quick because I have no idea what's going on with my system. But we're going to play this this uh, video real quick. We'll be right back.
enigma of Bob Dylan, the unlikeliest of rock stars, he is regarded as one of the greatest influences in the musical generation, only the Elvis. He was playing at some party or something, and it was like a whole different guy. You hear those stories about the bluesmen that go out to the crossroads and sell their soul to the devil and come back all of a sudden able to do stuff. Robert Johnson, Tommy Johnson, that whole mythology was, was one of those kind of deals almost. When he left Minneapolis, he was just average. You know, there was five, six other guys doing the same thing. When he came back, he was doing Woody, and he was doing Van Ronk, and he was finger-picking. He was playing cross-harp, and this is a matter of a couple of months. I mean, this is not like he was gone, you know, a year or anything. That's when I went to the crossroads and made a, a big deal. You know, like, phew, yeah. One, one night, and then uh, went back to Minneapolis, and I was like, hey, uh, where's this guy been? You know, he went to the crossroads. Why do you still do it? Why are you still out here? Well, it goes back to the destiny thing. You know, I made a bargain with it, you know, a long time ago, and I'm holding up my hand. What was your bargain? To get where um, I am now. Sh should I ask who you made the bargain with? <laughs> with, 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 you know, with the chief, uh, chief commander. On this earth? <laughs> and on this earth and in, uh, and then in a world we can't see. With the chief commander of this world and a world we can't see. Is that not just chilling? Creepy as heck, dude. And that's serious deadpan stuff. Y yeah. <laughs> It's incredibly creepy, and you know we have Tommy Johnson, Robbie Johnson. Um, for those that don't know these stories, Tommy Johnson was an American Delta blues musician who recorded in the late 1920s. Was known for his eerie falsetto voice and intricate guitar playing. Um, he went to the crossroads, high, Highway 49 and 61, I believe. Uh, the, he was told this by, I believe, his brother or something like that. Um, I, I got yeah. the actual notes right here. Yeah, he told his brother, um, who was Liddell Johnson, and he his brother was actually a reverend. Okay. And he his brother did an interview in 1966, and he exposed what Tommy told him. A lot of people thought it was just kind of like superstition because apparently a lot of people growing up in Mississippi during that time were either churchgoers or they were like really heavily into you know, religious or spiritual superstition like that. Um, sure. Also, in the movie, Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou? Yeah. There's a scene from that movie where they actually pick him up. And um, when he gets in the car, he tells them, yeah, my name is Tommy Johnson, and I sold my soul to the devil. Oh, that's so crazy. I think we actually yeah. might have that scene. <laughs> Let me see if I can find that scene. So as you pull that up, this is going back... You're talking a hundred years already, right? Yeah. Um, and in my research, I'm like, I want to know where did this start from? How far back can we actually trace this type of idea? And a couple sources led me to this, and it's the 15th century. A book called the Malleus Maleficarum Treatise on Witchcraft. Huh. It's a book that's written, uh, published uh, 18. Oh, I'm sorry, 1487. And it actually gives instructions on how to make make a deal with the devil and his really? minions. Really? Yeah. What? Yeah. And that there's a couple is cool. ways. Specifically, it talks about meeting the devil at the crossroads. And in one of the instances on how it works is the devil comes in 
through a person or through somebody else, like through a possession mm-hmm. meets you somewhere, an entity meets you. It's the devil or it's his minions. It's some kind of demon. And it'll tell you, Hey, if you, um, if you agree to my counsel, I'll do whatever you want me to do for you. Basically worship me and I'll do a small favor for you. And then it starts with something small and it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. Another way is actually kind of summoning this um, witches meet together mm-hmm. in conclave on a set day. And the devil appears to them as a man and urges them to keep faith, promising prosperity and, and life. And then the devil asks whether they'll observe the faith and forsake the Christian religion. And then um, if he finds them willing, they shake hands and they swear to keep that covenant. Then the devil goes, well, that's actually not enough. Um, Basically, he says, I want you to make these potions. I want you to um, make these potions from the limbs of children and their bones. And especially children who've been baptized. And with the liquid, you put it in this flask and people who drink it, um, they gain knowledge and become leaders of this this Satanism, mm-hmm. I guess. I don't know. Interesting. And I guess the idea is their responsibility at that point is to bring more people into this cursed belief system. And they, they gain things from the devil, but also um, they're held to their word as well. So, yeah, 15th century, pretty cool. Interesting. Crazy. Let's uh let's watch this one scene from Where Brother Are Out Thou of of Tommy, and so you might have recognized this from the movie. Let's check this out. You folks going past Tishmingo? Sure, hop in. How you doing, son? Name's Everett. These two soggy sons of bitches are uh, Pete and Delmer. Keep your fingers away from Pete's mouth. He ain't had nothing to eat for 13 years except prison food, gopher, and a little greasy horse. Thanks for the lift, sir. My name's Tommy. Tommy Johnson. How you doing, Tommy? Say, I haven't seen a house out here for miles. What are you doing out in the middle of nowhere? Well, I had to be at that there crossroads last midnight. Sell my soul to the devil. Ain't it a small world, spiritually speaking? Pete and Delmer just been baptized and saved. I guess I'm the only one that remains unaffiliated. All right, so there you saw that's that's the Tommy Johnson part uh, of what we were talking about there, and you probably seen that from the movie. Um, I, I never knew how prevalent this was. Now I've heard this before, and, and here's the other yeah. parts of this as well is I've talked about the occult hijacking of Hollywood and the media. And I feel that this has a lot to do with it as well. And we can go into the, the, the kind of mentality because I don't, whatever this is, I don't think it's what people perceive it to be. Maybe that's the name it's given, but I'm telling you, it's not that. Um, Like in the Lima or Thelma, with Aleister Crowley, right? They um, 
they basically open a channel up through what's known as Orient or through your Orient, right? So everything is derived through the Orient. All the mystic, mystical teachings come from the Orient. Orient means deriving from the East. East in this sense is the left or the right brain, the right mind and its connectivity to the spiritual world. So when we say Orient in the spiritual occult community, we mean deriving through the connectiveness of the spiritual world through the right brain. And so- interesting. Oh, yeah. With getting rid of witches, too, wouldn't they bury them facing the east? Yeah. I think I read that today. But a lot of this has to do with the mind and the spiritual world connectivity. And so when Aleister Crawley created this channel between this ancient Egyptian pharaoh or, or uh, high priest and opened it up, basically what happened is, is he created a channel of communication. And then everybody in Velima or Thelma who comes in to basically worship, practice, or anything like that, they link up and sync up with that orient, with that orientation, oh. okay? And so yeah, they, they all focus on that channel, which can be a specific spot, it can be a symbol, it could be a word, it could be a mantra, it could be Sigil. anything you think about. It could be a prayer, and they, they link up with that, and that gives them the access of communication to that channel. Now, this is interesting because now we have this idea, this symbol, this representation of a crossroads. Also, if you look into it, who died on the cross? I Just saying. Jesus. Well, yeah, apparently. And so we have the crossroads and to summons it. And I was looking at the significance of the numbers. What is it? 41 and 62? Highways 41 and 62? It's, uh, I think so, yeah. Excuse me. Um, yeah, we had it in here. Just uh, 49 and 61. 49 and 61, yeah. <laughs> right. 49 and 61. Um and there's so much more here. I mean, we're, we're talking about, that was Tommy Johnson. Um, in Greek mythology, this is actually interesting, going by, back to the mythological aspect of this, is you have, in Greek mythology, crosswords were, crossroads were associated both with um, Hecate and Hermes, with shrines and ceremonies for both taking place there. The Herm pillar associated with Hermes frequently marked these places due to the god's association with travelers and the role as a guide. You got to remember the original Mercury or Hermes was the messenger of the guide. He was the one that would translate over that boundary between humanity and the gods. And so he was basically the uh, the the gatekeeper of the veil. Oh, I like that. Got to write mm. that down. The gatekeeper of the veil. Um, though less central to Greek mythology than Hermes, Hecate's uh, Hec connection to Crossroads was more cemented in ritual. The suppers of Hecate were left for her at Crossroads at the, each new moon, and one of her most common titles was Goddess of the Crossroads. In her later threefold depiction, each of the three heads and bodies is often associated with one of the three crossing roads. According to the 4th century historian uh, Philochorus, at Athens, offerings were also sent to the crossroads at the 16th of the month, half a month after the new moon offering, and at the time of the full moon. In the Greco-Roman society, rituals and protections were done at crossroads, and purification ritual remains were left at the crossroads. The Greeks and Romans believed doors, gates, rivers, frontiers, crossroads had spiritual meaning regarding transitioning, leaving one area and going to a, somewhere else, a change in directions physically and spiritually. Therefore, rituals and protection and rituals regarding change transition were done at crossroads. How fucking fascinating is that? 
that's really fascinating, especially when you consider a lot of roads follow ley lines as well, which people mm. attribute to energy yeah. flow. Wow. True. That's cool. And then how our current road system is all designed by the Romans. Yeah. That the Holy width crap. of modern day roads are actually due to the Romans and all that stuff. It's, <laughs> um, have you ever been on a, a Roman road? No. No, I don't think I so. I've, I've been on a Roman road built, it was like 1,400 years ago. And the oh, road wow. Is, the road is still standing, and cars drive on it every day. Fascinating, isn't it? Yeah, cobblestone roads. Can't fill the darn pothole on my block. Yeah. <laughs> right? You can't fill the pothole on my block, but... <laughs> Um, then we they don't have make Robert, them like they used to. Yeah. Then we have Robert Johnson, 1911 to 1938. Uh, blues singer, guitarist in Mississippi. Got his first guitar at 16. Um, age 19, he picked up a guitar and played for Sunhouse and Willie, uh, William, Willie Brown at one of their performances. They hated him. He was absolutely awful. Um, apparently, he met with a, a hoodoo snake doctor right outside of Midnight, Mississippi, and told her he wanted the fame and fortune, was willing to sell his soul to get it. So the snake doctor told him he had to meet with the devil and advised him exactly what he needed to do. People say that he met the devil at midnight at the intersection of highways 49 and 61 in Clarksdale. Crossroad, hellbound on my trail, Crossroad Blues. Up jumped the devil and me and the devil blues. His family says the rumors are false. Robert died of strychnine poisoning in 1938 at the age of 27. Remember that. 27. Three days after drinking whiskey and becoming incredibly ill. Clarksdale, Mississippi at the highway 4961 intersection. There is a trio of electric guitars at pole markers where the legend says musician Robert Johnson sold himself to the devil for the ability to play blues. Um... Oh, this and by is, the way, like yeah. Thomas Johnson and Robert Johnson are not brothers. Right. They have the same last name, but they are not related, just for anybody wondering. Yep. And then, but yeah, 27. 27. 20, well, let's so, see Bob Dylan real quick. Hold on. Bob Dylan. Okay. <laughs> he left Minneapolis. We just saw the story. He uh, went to the crossroads, Highway 49 and 61. Here we go. Same story. The interview on 60 Minutes with Ed Bradley in 2004, he made a bargain long, co with, uh, long ago with the chief commander of this world and the one unseen. Now, the question comes about is, are these people all directly connected to what Summer was just saying, the 27 Club? Now, Summer, what's the 27 Club? So the 27 Club is groups of musicians, artists, painters, poets, and a lot of them have died mostly from like drug and alcohol abuse or a tragic accident or something like that. But they've all died at the age of 27. And you have, of course, Robert Johnson, Kurt Cobain, Amy Winehouse, Brian Jones, Jimi Hendrix, Janis Joplin, Jim Morrison, and the list goes on. There's actually a really lengthy list that is out there that you can find. Hmm. Um, but those are kind of like some of the top names that most people recognize. And I just wonder if this kind of thing is associated with that. I think there's something to it, but you kind of have to question it a little bit just because like Tommy Johnson, for example, I believe he lived up into his sixties. Right. Bob Dylan also obviously didn't die at the age of 27. So, you know, there's kind of some throw offs there, but yeah, I, I think, think something is related. I think it happens when you don't, don't uphold your side of the deal. 
by that time, maybe he just decides it's over, taking your soul now. Yeah. Maybe. That very well possibly could be, as well as I think some of them require a sacrifice. And so there's the 27 club, and then there's the firstborn child club. Oh. Eric Clapton, by the way, who is the member of Cream who is singing that song, Crossroads, his firstborn son fell from an eighth story or 80th story New York City window to its to his death. Okay. Tears in Heaven is a saw acoustic song that he wrote about that. His firstborn son. Um, we got John Travolta, firstborn son, just died a few years ago. He was the one that was born um, uh, handicapped. Ty, I think his name was or something like that. Uh, Jimmy Page, firstborn son, died. Um, and uh, I mean, there's there's tons more. But uh, uh, Elon. Elon, no, I don't. Oh, Elon's firstborn. Yeah, his his firstborn son died too, didn't he? Yeah. He just mentioned oh, that wow. the other day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just saying, I don't know, but um, it's super interesting because people do make it to old age. People do die at 27, and then yeah. there's the firstborn son thing. Hmm. And, yeah, the, uh, Henry VIII's first son. I mean, it, this is... Hmm. Uh, This is crazy, I think. <laughs> I mean, you have the 27 Club and then the Firstborn Sons Club, or the, the Firstborn Sons Club, yeah. And, I mean, there's there's so many more. I used to know, like, five or six of them off the top of my mind. Um, Robert Plant, yep, there you go. Robert Plant lost his son. Um, yeah, it wasn't Jimmy yeah. Page. It was, sorry, it was Robert Plant. I always get the Jimmy Page and Robert Plant confused. I know of one Vince based Neal's on my daughter. memory. Go ahead. Hmm? Oh, go ahead. Vince Neal. Yeah, I have one person who, in my mind, I have a memory of them telling a story that they sold their soul at a crossroad in, this, in the United States. I, for the life of me, cannot find the original interview. And I think it was featured on Vice News over a decade ago or mm-hmm. about a decade ago. And it has to do with the artist David Cho. David Cho, huh? Have you guys heard of him? No. Who is that? He is the wealthiest artist in the United States. And he did a whole lot of work with Vice. I was going to say, is he the Barack Obama dude? No. Yeah, he's the one that did uh, Barack Obama's Hope. No. You want to bet? Yeah. I don't want to bet. But. Oh, I recognize his face. Okay, I have seen him before. Shepard Fairey did Hope. Okay. But he was also a graffiti artist. David Cho is a graffiti artist as well. And um, you're lucky you didn't bet. So David Cho's net worth in 2021, $300 million. Okay. Ask ourselves why? Well, he just happened to get commissioned to paint um, offices. And it happened to be Facebook. And Zuckerberg told him, uh, well, I'll give you uh, shares in my startup or I'll give you like 20 grand. Okay, no, painting this painting right walls. here, Vince. Hope, Barack Obama, right here. Do you see it on the screen? No. Yes. That's David Cho. 
No. Really? That's David Cho. I don't think so. What? David Cho's paintings at Barack Obama. The paintings hang at the White House, February 4th, 2012. It's designed by Shepard Fairey, though. Okay, designed by Shepard Fairey, but there, David Cho did them. So, in, in da- is David Cho the vice guy who, um, he was in Africa? He traveled the world. He's done a lot of traveling. Have you ever He's... heard this story of him going to fucking Africa? Probably. No. I've watched all the content that they did, but hold on. Let me tell you about Okay. We'll get to it, okay? So he did a lot of weird shit. Since he was a teenager, he traveled throughout the States. He said that he he had a he actually has a really fascinating story where he was a gambling addict, he was a loser, he was mm-hmm. a thug, he grew up in LA, he made a deal with the devil, became a fantastic artist, and became a millionaire from gambling. And then he became even richer from his art. He painted the Facebook studios. Zuck said, I'll yep. give you cash or I'll give you shares. He took yep. the shares because he's a gambling addict and he just happened to make hundreds of millions off of one job. Yep. And he, I remember him saying, I sold my soul to the devil at the crossroads or I made a deal at the crossroads and I've upheld my end of the deal and we'll see what happens. And he was asked, you know, well, what was the, what was your part of the deal? And he's like, I can't tell you that basically. Uh, dude, so, I, I, I know what you're talking about. Wasn't that on Joe Rogan? I don't know, but I was watching clips from that interview. He did interview him, yes. Yeah, it was, it was either Joe Rogan or another podcaster that interviewed him. Oh, no, it was Joe Rogan. And he tells Joe Rogan this story about, um, what was the country? It was Congo. And he heard this rumor about um, dinosaurs, dinosaurs yeah. that existed in... In the um, in the rainforest in Africa, and he's like, he's like, I'm 19 years old. I just quit my job, took all the money I had, and and flew the Congo. He goes, I don't speak French, I don't speak any any other language. As I land there, I have no idea what I'm doing. I meet this German guy, and he kind of like, you know, I tell him what's going on, and he kind of becomes my guide. And they get lost in yeah. the jungle. Him and this <laughs> German guy. And this German guy was like an annoying piece of shit. And uh, he he kept on thinking like they had no food, no water, and he was going crazy. And he wanted to kill this guy. He was going to kill him. Dude, and like they, he finally finds this tribe or a few days later they find this tribe. And the tribe tells him about the dinosaurs and that they're really real. But to get there, you have to walk up into uh, swamp water up to your neck. And there is these leeches that latch onto you and give you a disease <laughs> and that you'll never be normal again. And he decided against it and somehow got out of the Congo. I mean, dude, that dude's story is absolutely wild. And here, it's all true, wow. apparently. Yeah, his story is absolutely wild. But I, yeah. I remember hearing the thing about the crossroads. Yeah, I don't know what it was from. I don't know Vice or Joe Rogan, but he hitchhiked across every state. He would he would hop trains and stuff. So there's another one for the books. The richest artist in the States. Maybe the world. Wow. Yeah, and that's crazy. And it's funny because like I think when most people think of this crossroads thing, that's what they think of as like mu- musicians. Primarily, that's what it's associated with, mm-hmm. right? Especially blues. But I think it's really for anybody who is seeking a creative outlet, no matter what it is, whether it's painting, writing, music, any kind of creative outlet where you can prosper in. But why do they meet the devil? Why does it have to be the devil? 
That's the question. That's the key. Why is it they always have to go meet the devil? It doesn't say that mm-hmm. the crossroads are the, the crossroads to hell. Folklore mentions that the crossroads are uh, revered in, in mythology as this point of, of, of translation between this world and another world. Mm-hmm. So why is it they have to go meet the devil? Because maybe they're not Good meeting question. the devil. Because maybe they're not meeting the devil. Maybe they're meeting something else completely entirely. Maybe they're meeting what the Gnostics would refer to as archons. Yeah. Maybe they're meeting interdimensional beings who feed off of emotional energy. Imagine this for a minute. Take, for example, the conversations that we've had about the Lima, about Aleister Crowley and him opening up this channel. And so yeah. what happens is, is you open up this channel to this other side. And let's just say that there's an interdimensional being out there and he's on this other side. And let's say it's a fourth or fifth dimensional being. So they're kind of like us looking down at a family of ants on a flat space of paper, right? But every time those ants move, it benefits us in a certain way. It gives us food or fuel or just invigorates us or brings us knowledge. Who knows what it is? And this is kind of how this works. And so Alistair Crawley makes this deal with these, uh, these beings and they say, hey, look, you know, if you bring us this energy that we desire, we'll keep on benefiting you. We'll keep on moving the food in front of the ants that you want us to move the food in front of the ants for and you guys will be beneficial. And this is how Hollywood was made, was off the worship of this. And so what happens is, is that you start feeding them this energy. And they're like, hey, this is good. This is good, but I'm still hungry. Feed me more. And so they start doing more and more and they start, you know, playing their practice and doing their little jingles and playing their movies and the things are like, hey, but I need more. So then they start doing the real emotional damage, the real emotion trauma, the trauma that scars in the past, in the future, and in the present, the the, the trauma that produces mass damage to the soul, the violence, yeah, the anger, energy. And this, this amount of stuff is what really feeds back into that realm and invigorates it. Okay? Yeah, but I think just as important as a potent stream of energy or luge, a lot of people refer to it as, for mm-hmm. these beings, I think that spreading the word and having more people participate is just as impactful. And some people say like, oh, yeah, the devil doesn't want you to tell or the, the, the devil is what they say right but it could be an entity who knows they say they don't really don't want you to tell people about it that's not necessarily true i've heard from other people they say actually you're supposed to disclose it and basically recruit people yeah they that's have to why yeah that's why you see it everywhere like kanye the last few days yeah he had to put it out there he had to be very apparent for who he was working for now but going back to the lima for a second Mm-hmm. Okay, and so they pump up on this, and now this leads to child sacrifice. Now this leads to ritualistic murders, all these types of things, because this is what really drives that. So, so imagine this: is that anybody who goes to that crossroads and does that ritual and opens up that orientation to that world? What if it's just like some Joe Schmo, normal person walking down the road in in that fourth dimensional world, and all of a sudden they're like, "Whoa, hey, there's someone here from the third dimension. Hey, what's up? What, what, what can I do for you?" And they're like, I want to be a musician. And he goes, okay, well, you just got to feed me. 
You just got to open up this channel and keep on feeding this channel. As long as you do that, I'm going to keep benefiting you. But the moment you stop, I'm going to stop benefiting you. And here's the key is with the universal laws, the laws of compensation, the laws of polarization, the laws of, of, of uh, correspondence and all these aspects, is when something outside of yourself is continuously benefiting you of which you're not producing those motions on your own will and accord, right? Do you think that there's a karmic influx or influence that's going to occur to you because of that? Do you think if something else from somewhere else is benefiting you? Let's just say that this, this thing just wanted you to the feed off the emotion produced by your music. Then there, there's nothing malevolent about it, right? But eventually it's going to come back and go, hey, man, I'm hungry. You, you need to give me more because it feeds off of this. And so this is where the dark stuff comes in. And then that dark stuff produces this negative karmic reaction. Now, here's the key. This person is like, man, this is not what I wanted. I thought I was just going to have to play music. I'm leaving. They leave. Then all of a sudden they die because of the karmic influx that comes in when that interdimensional aspect stops helping them. Because that karmic influx is also compensating for the karma. I like that theory. It just catches up with them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. And they could just do this at 27, which is also nine, which is also the number of completion. What a trip. What a trip. This is fucking fascinating. <laughs> it I mean, really is. But I, here's the thing is I don't think it's anything. Um, it, it, I don't think it's the devil that these people are meeting. And the reason is, is because I don't believe in the devil. I believe in the idea, the concept of the devil. You know, the idea of the devil, the concept of the devil. We talked about this a little bit, I think, a few weeks ago. Um, Shatan, Lucifer, Vyaza, whatever you want to talk about in the sense of the angels. And, and Summer can also speak on this. What this is representative of in various mythological contexts, occult contexts, especially deep, dark occult context, is the lower dwelling of the soul. The soul at its basal root. If you wanted to look at it in chakras, Satan or Lucifer or whatever is basically the soul fallen from its seat, from its point in heaven. The soul dropped to its bottom in its carnal instinctual point, which is your base chakra. And even looking at it from polarity too, um, when you look at good and evil, good and evil are from the same source they're from the same pole evil is merely just further away from Mm -hmm. the highest source of good it is still on the same pole as good it is just the furthest away from it yeah and that calls law of polarization right there everything is just a degree within a measure it's the same thing at a different degree exactly and i think then comes into the question the question comes in which is I, we're not going to be able to answer it, but it's, you know, what is evil? Hmm. Well, and I think we've came up with this question before on this show. And I always point out that I think that there's, I think that there's laws in the universe that play out through functionality. Okay. Which are not inherently evil. They're laws. It's consequence. 
like a star going supernova and destroying billions of people on a planet in a highly advanced civilization. So taking the intention out. Right. Does that make God evil? No. No. Right? That is just a eventuality of the universe in the sense of how the laws function. But this, same if, thing with a tsunami or a hurricane or a tornado. Yes, but if I created a tornado and sent it to a town, then now it's evil because I'm but, creating so much suffering. Right, but now that's – so here's the thing is what you have to look at. And, and I guess this is how I would wrap my head around what evil is, is what's the deviation from nature? If you went out and created a hurricane – and that hurricane, or if you went out and created a tornado, and that tornado went and wiped out a town and killed 100 people, okay? Does nature now have to compensate for what you did? Probably. I believe in karma. Well, not, not only that, is that the natural functionality and cycles of nature are, were changed. And so I've talked about this before with weather manipulation is if you manipulate the weather through the ionosphere over here, you're going to have sporadic weather problems throughout the rest of the world. Earthquakes, tornadoes, hurricanes, these types of things, and they're going to come out more fierce and so forth. And so what happens is when you produce that, it's going to produce other events which are going to be consequential of that, which all have karmic influx directly towards you because of your intentionality in the begin with. So yes. So, okay, going on with evil then. So what is evil per se? I would say it's an intentional intentional deviation from natural law. That's dissonance with harmony. Yeah, dissonance within harmony. An intentional deviation, an intentional deviation away from natural law of which is consequential. And if you look at the evil form of what Lucifer and the devil is. And if you correlate that to it being within yourself, forces within yourself, lack of virtue, um, it's just you being in a form of evil, being in a state of Mm -hmm. dissonance with nature, being furthest away from God. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I can deal with that. Yeah. It's all a matter of, of harmony, resonance, frequency, and vibration. Mm. Look at that. See how we, Segway just over to that other side. Isn't that we can <laughs> it's just all do connected? That. You're all connected. It is. Stuff. Yeah. I'm the Segway master. Uh, John okay. has a great camping trip idea. He said that he uh, at the next camping trip we should go to the crossroads and take a lawyer with us. <laughs> take a lawyer with us. <laughs> I'm not hold down. on, hold on, hold on. Let's... I'm not down either. No. <laughs> I'm over 27, so okay, hold on. Let's let's figure this out here. <laughs> but it almost makes you want to go and record it. I know, right? But maybe you know you'd have you have to say why hasn't it been recorded yet, or has it? Um, or has it? I, we haven't checked. And I'm telling you, I I have a strong inclination within myself. That this is exactly what I think it is. Is that what we're talking about here 
is the same thing as a symbol of prayer. It's an orientation that is created, a channel that is created through various forms of magic. And the crossroads is the symbolic representation of this. And if you go there and you perform the ritual, it opens up and there's an interdimensional portal and there's a being sitting there. And you can perceive this being any way you want because it's interdimensional and your mind's not gonna know what it is. And instead your mind's just gonna create up a hallucination of what it believes it to be. Um, it's going to communicate with you in this much the same way in a hallucinogenic format in the sense where I'm the devil and this is what you're going to do. And if you don't, and, and I'm telling you that the moment you create that connection, you're already dead. And the reason why it takes and consumes your soul or you're selling your soul is because of the karmic influx of eventuality that is going to happen because of what it's going to drain you of because of what you're gonna to have to do to sustain that relationship with it. Man, we just, we figured out. Interesting, everything. dude. Yeah. But yeah, I, I wouldn't take the risk. And I tell you what, no, uh, I, I sometimes wonder, you know, and the same thing comes from our normal research that is uh, not fringe. Yeah. It, it amazes me at how little people do, or I mean, how little it takes to get somebody to do something horrendous. Hmm. Meaning, you know, what would what would you do if you were presented in front of a being that said, I'll give you whatever you want. All I ask of you is this. Right. Your soul. Um, yeah, and I think most people are <laughs> good people, but I, I agree. I think a lot of people out there probably wouldn't blink an eye at something like that. An opportunity yeah. like that right yeah it's just to me there's nothing you could do i mean i just don't understand it honestly well, um I, I think that there the is... desire the fame the wealth the uh, longevity the looks because people change in their looks yeah. right oh, look at uh, people. simon cowell simon cowell elon musk jeff bezos what happens when the clone comes out half cooked Simon Cowell. <laughs> oh, hideous. But but here's here's the thing. Is this goes back to it? Is that mm -hmm. you're selling your soul to the devil and what this really means is that the the things that you're going to have to do to sustain that interdimensional relationship to keep on getting benefit out of this entity are going to yeah. wear away at your soul degrade your solar evolution and that's what this is all i'm telling you that's what this is all about everything that we're seeing if we go back to that quelle post that we were talking about the dna protect your dna what's in your dna dude i'm telling you right now um i might actually have a good segue into this segment and so kind of this is this is the crossroads in the conversation See how, geez, it's so cool how all that just translates into each other. Yeah. But what we're talking about kind of here is that there are these interdimensional pathways. There are these gateways that can be opened through ritual. Some of them are already open and you can use these other ones. I don't recommend it because the entities on the other side, the beings on the other side, most likely are not there to help you or benefit you. Although I do believe that if there are those out there that are 
basically feeding off of this energy, siphoning it off and going more towards the negative energy because they, they demand more and more and more. There's also has to be the balance to that. There has to be the good side. Absolutely. There can't be one without the other. That's right. There cannot be one without the other. So there has to be the other side of that equation to where there is that side of the house. Did he really? Oh. <laughs> no, it switches everything in here. Oh. Um, anyways. But yeah, so there has to be that. And I think that this is what we could call angels. This is what we could call... Um, you know, guides or, um, you know, visits in the middle of the night through whatever it might be, downloads of information, aliens helping us or whatever it could be. It's just, it's just a thought to think about, right? Absolutely. I went down to the crossroads. Well, I gotta go in this. Okay, there it is. And so this is an article I wrote um, a while back, this is called DNA Time, Memory, and Mind. I wrote this, uh, I published it August 28, 2020 um, on the, the Red Pill Project. But I actually uh, did this one back in 2018, I think it was. Um, Vince, you screwed up our order of uh, the, the videos here. Oh, I'm sorry about that. It's okay. Is gotta... it still mixed up? It is. I'll, I'll figure it out. You got to go. Hold on. Oh, I apologize. No, yeah, yeah whatever. Hold on. Ugh, there we go. There's one, two. Sorry, everybody. Three. There it is. Okay, I think we're good. No, we're not. You got the you got the title of Josh Reed under whatever. Oh, <laughs> oh no. Okay. Nobody can see it, but just us. It's just a trick. Uh, yeah, we're going to go in there. I'm just going to move these around real quick, guys. I don't want people to get confused and be like, oh, who's that? that That's Josh not guy Vince. looks really, okay, really good. cute. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now we're going to go back into here, this article I wrote. And I want to read some of this for you. Um. Maybe. <laughs> this It's a really interesting article. Um, when the discovery of DNA happened, it became apparent within uh, scientific circles that there was a major mutation that had occurred within the human DNA. It appeared as if someone sliced off a piece and then glued on another. The missing link of where we came from had pervaded scientists for decades. If there is one thing I can tell you about the ancient alien theory... Let me say this, never believe anything until you understand why you're being forced to choose a paradigm of belief. Anytime in your life you are given a choice to believe in this or that, choose to understand that you're most likely being fed bullshit. Isn't that the truth? It is my understanding of what we are being fed about this whole ancient alien theory in Anunnaki is actually BS. Now, this is an article I wrote a long time ago. So here's, a, here's a, some logic. If you wanted to enslave an intelligent species, what information would you control? Would you only control the consensus accepted reality or would you also implement and control the alternative view? It only seems logical to control all passive information and all forms of its verification. Using this simple logic, we can easily see that the reason we keep searching for more truth within this rabbit hole of alternative theory is because the rabbit hole was meant to distract us. It was meant to blind us from the real truth. 
What truth do you ask? Truth as we know it is self-evident. It presents itself in a matter that cannot be refuted and requires no belief. If you are reading this right now, then you are no surprise to you that we are all slaves in a system designed to control us, to feed off of us. The fact alone is one of the first realizations within waking up. What if I told you that human beings have been around for a lot longer than you can imagine? What if I said that we are only now rediscovering the technologies and powers that we have lost in our ancient times? Human beings were a spacefaring race. We had dominated the solar system. We had explored the galaxy, become friends with many other beings. We had attained high levels of spiritual and mental evolution. We were peacefully and a friendly race. And so I go on to tell you how I know this, why I know this. Right now, if you read that last paragraph and you understand this, most of you are probably seeing that this feels right for you. There is a feeling deep inside you that innately understands that all the stories through history of mankind being the victim, the feeling always being in a state of struggle is somehow bullshit. Instead, you remember, like me, the feeling of traversing space and exploring the stars. You watch television shows like Star Trek and Battlestar Galactica and cry at the beginning because deep down inside, it's triggering memories woven into the fibers of your being. Ingrained within your physical structures and the depths of your DNA is the history of mankind. We have been led to believe that DNA was this wheel of probability controlled by your environment. That is the static code that blueprints your physical body. This could, be not any, could not be any further from the truth. Within DNA is the history of you, of humanity, of our ancient roots. It doesn't matter what you believe or how to cockamamie the story sounds. Hear me out. What I'm about to tell you may come from, comes from many meditations, many downloads, through conversations with myself, through various different things. I call this a story that time forgot. Uh, and this is a lot of what the Mars Chronicles was about. So if you remember Mars Chronicles and how we talked about this, this is the story that man forgot. Now, <clears throat> when we talk about this, there is a war in our solar system we lost. <clears throat> Excuse me. And this is where the genetic allegory comes in. So the genetic modifications mm-hmm. is allegorically talked about in Genesis 11, 1 through 9, and the story of the Tower of Babel. What this passage is saying is that human beings had one language and one is universal. The tower they had built had touched the heavens. The tower in this context be translated as an accumulation of knowledge. This mythical tower represents the history and knowledge of all humanity comprised and encoded within our DNA. The language reference was our ability to innately decode our own DNA and access all knowledge and history of our race. To enslave us, this ability had to be blocked or taken away through the process of genetic manipulation. The moment it was, we were but confused animals, lost in a world we created with no sense of direction. When I talk about accessing DNA to retrieve knowledge, this is what is meant by the Akashic records. The word Akashic comes from the Sanskrit and represents the inner ether, the inner space, and the word record has a root meaning towards memory. So the Akashic record has a literal translation to the memory that is within the inner space. That inner space is your DNA. DNA is not what you think. It only seems logical that the species evolves, it would store and record every bit of experiential data. The universe operates on a very simple principles. These principles state that work shall be done within the path of least resistance. 
Think about how a browser renders and displays a website. It caches the files within a local storage. It uses cookies and other programs to track where you have been before and the actions you have taken. The purpose of this is to speed up the processing of data, make the access to the data more efficient and readily available, as well as to make it so that the information is preserved. We what we call junk or non-coded DNA is exactly this. It is the caching system that your mind uses to store, access, reference, and reflect on information within your reality. It is the gateway that connects your physicality to the realm of your mind, which is non-physical. Let's be clear, I am not saying that this is where the information is stored. This is where the encryption keys are located. This will become more clear as we get further in this article. Keep in mind that your DNA is a mixture of both your mothers and your fathers, where your DNA is a mixture of their mothers and fathers, so on and so forth. You literally receive the entire knowledge base or the internet search history of all your ancestors encoded in your DNA. The only problem is, is that you lost access to decode it, not access to access it. This is not the only function of DNA. DNA is in what DNA stands for has been fully understood by mind science. Although from research that is currently available, we can see that the emergence of a highly structured and integrated biological system for communication between mind and the physical reality. If we were to compare this to something that we use every day, think it is a safe bet to say that DNA can be comparable to modems, modulators, demodulators, and network access points that we use for computers, where our DNA translates and encrypts input and output signals and also makes a connection to the external internet. Uh, Dr. Martin Blank, who I guess has passed away, I didn't know he was already passed away, a biophysicist at Columbia University showed through his research that DNA was a fractal antenna for electromagnetic energy. His postulate was validated when he was able to prove that DNA contained the properties associated with fractal antennas. What's a fractal antenna? A fractal antenna is an antenna that uses a fractal self-similar design to maximize the effective length or increase the perimeter on inside sections of the outer structure of material that can receive or transmit electromagnetic radiation um, within a given total surface area or volume. volume. In, in a nutshell, this says that DNA uses patterns within its design that can receive and transmit electromagnetic energy. Each pattern is fractal in nature or self-similar. In other words, each segmented pattern is a representation of the whole pattern. No matter how many times you split the pattern in half, it still operates the exact same way as if it were whole. Dr. Blank was studying the nature of disease and illness by means of electromagnetic radiation on DNA structures. His theory was that DNA somehow can pick up uh, on focus or ambient electromagnetic radiation and mutate to cause disease and illness. Uh, to prove this postulate, he only needed to validate that DNA had properties of a fractal antenna. These properties are the ability to accept and interact with a wide range of electromagnetic frequencies, particularly the non-ionizing bands, ELF and RF, and that DNA contains two structure characteristics necessary, which are electronic conduction and self-symmetry. He was able to validate this through his research. Dr. Blank has shown us that DNA is an intermediary between our external physical worlds and our internal mental worlds, that non-ionizing electromagnetic radiation can affect our bodies and our perception of reality. The mind can only observe and interact with the information is given. Right now, it can only access what we consider the moment and the vague recollections of the past. As I have stated before, sometime in our past, we were genetically modified so that we can no longer access this knowledge of our history through our DNA. With a brief glimpse of what we have in our current reality, I think it is safe to say that something is eerily wrong. If you're like me, you can feel it. It is like something is calling to you and expecting you to answer it, yet all you can hear is mere whispers 
and mumbles. There is something missing. Whatever the feeling, I think we can all agree it is time to take back control of whatever this is. Before we go in more depth, the genetic slave state, we live in answer uh, to who, the whys, and all this. And the article goes on. And I explain optimization theory. I go into optimization theory. But I wanted to get that part about DNA out there. And I'm writing an article right now on Substack. (laughs) Dude, I got like six or seven articles written on Substack that are already written. I just got to publish. Cool. But, well, no, they've been out there for like six months. I just haven't published them. Good. No, no, it's not good. I I just like, I'm like, I don't know. It's like, so it's like the the model ready for it. But anyways, go ahead. The model. So the modification thing. Yeah. Let's talk about that. What that could possibly be. Okay. Because there's, there's videos out there. There's articles out there. There's, you know, studies out there. People are saying that this modification could have possibly been what is called human chromosome number two. Mm hmm. Okay, because chromosome two is the second largest chromosome in our DNA and it is fused. So it's like two fused together and it's the only one of our chromosomes that are like that. Right. Wow. Some si- and there's an argument out there between scientists. Some say it's just merely a process of evolution and it's the only thing that separates us from, you know, the apes. Others say, no, this is not an evolutionary thing. This is something else. Like it's right? retarding us. Right. Right. But there's something else, too. Apparently, this chromosome, chromosome 2 specifically, was removed in a lab setting, and it was studied, and it was discovered to have been, you know, the fused chromosome. But what they also found were caps, what they called telomere caps. Mm -hmm. And, you know, a lot of the scientific articles out there are saying that telomeres are merely a means of protection for the DNA, keeping it from degrading, keeping it from fusing with other parts of the DNA and and things such as that. Mm -hmm. But what Bruce Lipton says really, really fascinates me about this because he talks about the telomeres and how every single time you have cell turnover, every time your cells replicate, Mm -hmm. little pieces of the telomeres, they, they break off, so they shorten, which is what actually causes Aging. your life to go like it's cellular death. degrading your lifespan right so some people also think too okay could that have been one of the modifications other than just that fusing was that they capped our dna which would explain why we are not living as long as we used to live right mm-hmm. hmm. one second fascinating uh, Maybe, huh? Yeah, I and mean, Billy Carson's talked about this, Bruce Lipton, Greg Braden, they've all talked about this. Um, and uh, Dr. Uh, David Sinclair at Harvard University, who's a longevity researcher, the, he is one of the guys that has done the research on these telomeres. And they use a uh, an enzyme, um, telomerase, I believe it is, or tel- yeah, it's telomerase. Yes. Mm-hmm. And what they did did is they fed this. So telomerase is basically the enzyme that causes the telomer caps to regenerate. And mm-hmm. it declines as you get older. So it gets less and less and less. And that's why the telomer caps actually degrade. But what he did is he started giving these mice these, these injections of telomerase. And what ended up happening is they lived three times their normal lifespan. 
three times their normal lifespan. Now, if that's a human being, that would be 360 years that you would live. Um, And Dr. David Sinclair is uh, probably going to win the Nobel Prize here very, very shortly. And they've done a ton of research on this. And uh, they've, they've found basically ways to reverse aging. They're like, they have the technology. Mm-hmm. They, they know exactly how to do it. One of the supplements, uh, NPC, I believe it is, um, it's a, the nicomide, uh, what is it, NAP? NAC, yeah. NAC or NAP, or it's, I think it's NAD, NAD. Oh. Uh, but NAD was actually outlawed by the FDA after he came out with it. And that's when they took wow. it off of Amazon and stuff like that. Um, and Dr. David Sinclair, he's like 63 years old and looks like he's 25. And so he's practicing on himself and he's practicing on his father. His father's like in these 80s and has kind of like age reversal, has been starting to like look younger and younger each year, getting wow. more mental clarity back. And so wow. this is some real stuff that what they're doing in the sense of that. But I think what's also going on is that, that, uh, that the DNA manipulation, when it happened, is it shortened our lifespan. But not only that, is it cut us off from genetic memory and it cut us off from our genetic lineage. That I, I feel it, I think everybody feels it, is that there's this sense that there's more to you. There's this, this spiritual sense that there's so much more of who and what we are. And it's like right there, you can almost touch it, you can feel it. But it's like inaccessible. It's like you 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 know it's right behind this veil, but you can't find the entrance. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Sort of. Yeah. Yep, Nadine. Yes, that this is it. Yeah, exactly. I I've felt it my whole life. Like like it's right there. You could almost touch it. You can taste it. You can feel it. You occasionally get glimpses of it, and you're like, oh, there it is, and then it's gone just as fast. Yep, and, and I'm, I'm telling you that this is that inner, deep inner connection that we have. That think about it as your DNA is that modem. It's the modulator demodulator. It takes the raw signals and it, it feeds back, back and forth the data between this realm, the next realm, and all other realms. It's your integral. Excuse me, I'm drinking a beer. It's your integrator into your environment. And your environment is any and all realms, all frequencies of light, all oscillations. Yeah. Yeah. Man, the mysteries of the world. Right. <laughs> really gets me going, man. Yep, and I could just never put my finger on it. It's always right there. And, and I think that this is what is meant by the Akashic Records. The astral tablets of light, the astral tablets of light. This is the astral world. What if the astral world is really just kind of like regressing into our DNA? What if when you take DMT, yeah. what you're doing is you're just like, you're regressing into that translative world of DNA? I wonder what happens to the DNA strands when That's you take DMT. Thinking. Do you know DNA flexes back and forth? Have you ever heard this? Well, I didn't know that. DMT? No, D- DNA. DNA. So DNA, um, in like when it's in a stressful environment, it'll actually contract 
So all the connections within DNA will all begin to contract like this. And then when it's in like an open, a free area, an environment where the body and, and the person are like free and natural, it actually expands outwards and opens up. And the, the angles that it forms within itself are the golden mean angles, 108 degrees, these types of things. Um, they form various different patterns when they open up in the sense of sacred geometry and chimatics. And then when it yeah. compresses, it forms dissonant patterns. Isn't that interesting? Yes. Wow. Yeah, I did not know that. That's incredible. Huh. But so think about it. What DNA really is, is this, it's kind of like this translator between all of reality, your external world, and you and your consciousness. And yeah, basically, like, go ahead. Um, it's memory. Well, yeah, it's connected through all time. But you know what it is? It's your web browser. And we're sitting here on the fastest supercomputer ever built in the world. And the web browser is running off of Windows 98. Seriously. That it, we can see only 2% of the visible spectrum of light. Yeah. Th this is how, yeah, that that's what's happening. Yeah, we're definitely not functioning to our optimal state i mean there's there's no way that we are it's obvious that we're not and the question is is how do we get back to that point yeah right how, yeah. how do we do that i think that's what so, most people really want to know yay said a dna mirror and uh a dna mirror is a nad and nad is the same letters nad dna oh yeah. <laughs> so the guy who um decoded the genome yeah francis crick mm -mm. they they discovered the double helix <clears throat> watson and crick discovered the double helix the human mm, genome okay. project G is the one that denoted decoded the human genome and that finished about 2001 okay thank you but he was saying he said that it seems that junk dna carries information and that it probably didn't even originate on earth based on the theories of evolution and timelines, which fits mm -hmm. into the theory that we were talking about prior. Yeah, and it's funny because like with junk DNA, they say um, that a lot of it is non-coding, okay? So it doesn't produce proteins, I guess is what that means, right? So, and some, some of it, some, some of your DNA produces proteins, some mm -hmm. of it produces RNA, different types of RNA, and then the rest of it, what they're calling junk DNA, which is a huge portion of your DNA, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they just don't know what it does. Okay, well, what if that is what it does? What if it is the transducer or whatever, the, the signal picker upper and sender outer, the one that is the pieces that are essentially bridging the gap hmm. between the worlds? Hmm. Um, Could be, huh? The DNA of your body would reach the uh, Earth of the Sun 530 times. It would still weigh only 2.6 kilograms. Um, you have 37.2 trillion cells in your body, each containing 2.14 meters of DNA. This gives a total DNA length of 76 trillion meters. Uh, the moon is 384,000 kilometers away. Uh, let me see here. I was trying to find out how much DNA in your body, um, is weight, right? And so it's oh, 7 trillionth of a gram. 
uh, I think is what they're trying to say here. No. So, so se- as 46 separate chromosomes correspond to 2 meters and 14 centimeters of DNA per cell. Per cell. Although it only weighs mm. 7 trillionth of gram per cell. So you probably have a few grams of DNA within your body. Now that's interesting because Microsoft actually came out and did an experiment. Mm. And what they created was a DNA hard drive. And they proved that DNA stores information better than anything they've ever seen before in their life. So much so so that it stores 433 petabytes, petabytes of information on just one gram of DNA. I don't know how big a petabyte is. Um, Petabyte. So right now in um, memory storage, we're at terabytes. Yeah, I'm familiar with about how big a terabyte is, which is okay. massive. A thousand terabytes is a petabyte. A thousand terabytes is a petabyte. Four hundred and thirty-three petabytes. That's a so lot. So four hundred thirty-three thousand terabytes in okay. just one gram of DNA. And how many gigabytes are in a terabyte? Or a thousand. Can you break down. A- a thousand gigabytes. So a thousand gigabytes are in a uh, a terabyte. Wow. Um. And just one gram of DNA. Yeah, that's craziness, dude. So. So think of how much memory our DNA can hold. Mm-hmm. Right. How many yeah. generations? How many lifetimes of memories does our DNA have? How much memory does our DNA have from maybe other times that our souls experience not on this planet? Well, I bet you our DNA is more of the random access memory like a computer or like an internet browser's caching system. You got to remember, everything that we create in this reality is a a rudimentary or elementary perspective of what actually nature actually is. That's exactly what I'm thinking. So in one gigabyte, you have a a billion bytes. Mm -hmm. One gigabyte, a billion bytes. That's about like this video that we're putting out right now. Yeah. Like a a one and a half hour live stream of fringe is about one gigabyte. Or yeah, one billion or one to three billion, whatever, basically a billion per hour. So put this into perspective. What we do with our bytes and our computers is one thing. Make a movie, replay, have audio, this kind of thing. It's rudimentary compared to what your DNA is going to do with the equivalent of one byte. It's a completely different computer system. It's more advanced. So this amount of information that can be stored in DNA is just blowing my mind. Because one gigabyte compared to a terabyte is ridiculous. So the whole library of the Red Pill Project over the last, what, four years is probably about six terabytes. And that includes all imagery, all source material, all our source material, every documentary that we've all played. It's about five terabytes. So just imagine, it it would take you five years, well, not probably, it would probably take you a year to go through all that content. If you started with the first one and just started looking, right? Yeah. That's how much, and we're talking 433 petabytes. It's just mind blowing. You couldn't go through that in a lifetime, could you? 
I, I don't that you could probably not go through 433 petabytes of video information in your lifetime. Wow. What of that? Yeah. But so there's something very special about this. And I like the analogy of a web browser because, you know, right now we're on a computer. We're looking into a web browser and mm -hmm. it's showing us a vision of the world and we can interact with it. Right. But if I go in there and I search that, if, if I clear that search history, all of a sudden that browser's dumb again. It's like it's reborn. Oh, yeah. I have to go fill in all my passwords again. I have to fill in all my domains. Like I have to yep. reboot everything and restart everything all up again. But sometimes it remembers some passwords, right? This mm -hmm. analogy is very similar to being, you know, you come out of the birth canal, you grow up, you become adult and you're like, wait, I've seen this. It's like a deja vu. And all of a sudden that's like your browser remembering the password. Like I've been to this website before. I know how to get in here. Or maybe it's not perfect, like the suppression. Well, and this brings us to this part of the conversation. Whether it's a simulation or that the universe is simulation-like, if that's the case and it's not perfect, how do we hack it? See, here's the thing is if we do live in a simulation, which many people will tell you that there's a good probability we live in a simulation. This simulation is based upon rules. Rules are meant to be broken in computer systems. If this is a simulation-like universe, in the sense that the universe works very much like our computer systems operate, even so, the rules that it operates of can be broken. It's how do you not pull up the, perfect. And we how know do you pull it's not up perfect. The, how do you pull up the command prompt? Well, let me ask you this. Do you know how <laughs> yeah. we know that it's not perfect? How's that? It's actually written into the code and fabric of space and time. Mathematically speaking. Mathematically speaking, exactly. Okay. 1.618... 1. 1.61892. Do you know what that number is? Ugh, I'm hungry. Pie. <laughs> no, that's that's three point one four nine five. Oh, I know what it is. Oh, it's golden ratio. So golden ratio. It's the golden yeah. ratio. It's phi. Hey, summer knows. Okay, <laughs> one point six one eight is phi. One point six one eight one three. Yeah, it's phi. Um, that's the five. golden ratio. Okay, that golden ratio is the perfect approximation. Although that's not what you see when you look at the golden ratio being manifested in everything in nature. You know, one eye, two nose, one mouth, two arms, five fingers, right? They're all they're all um, phi ratio numbers or derivations mm -hmm. of phi, also known as the Fibonacci sequence. And the Fibonacci mm -hmm. sequence is actually what we find out in the sense evolves in nature. That everything is evolving in nature through this sequence that uh, that Leonardo Fibonacci had discovered. Which, if you go one to one, obviously that's one. That's not but one point six eight, right? Uh, one divided by three. Obviously that's not one point six one eight. It's not until you get to eighty seven and one fifteen do you start seeing that one point one six one eight or one point six one eight start to manifest. And what happens is, is nature gradually. And so, have you ever seen that graph of Leonardo da Vinci of how it goes like this? with the, uh, the, the uh, Venusian man. That's the Fibonacci sequence moving into that drawing. And what it's showing you is, is that 
as nature unfolds and unravels, it produces this pattern. And that pattern is fractal in nature. And as that pattern evolves more, it gets closer and closer to that point of perfection, that 1.618, but never actually gets there. Which is and showing you that nature is slightly flawed. Because that's not perfect. Well, I don't think there is a perfect. You can't have it. The reason you can't have it because it would completely ruin the unique ability of the universe. That's the magic of infinity. That's the magic. Is that you have to have that little room for error. Because if you didn't, nothing would be unique. Everything would be the same. And this is proof that we are one with the universe is because our DNA operates in that way. Everything in the universe operates in that mm -hmm. way. And it's all just unfolding. That's out. right. But so if there's in this imperfection of the universe, that tells us that the system itself is flawed, which means that it's hackable. That how do we pull up the command? I don't know. I don't know if it's flawed. Well, what it, what it's got to be. It has to be. Everything that we know about systems, system dynamics, if you go in and you studied physics and you studied uh, system dynamics in the sense of how systems evolve and operate, super systems, subsystems, and okay. how they interact with each other, open systems, closed systems, right? What you will find out is that a flaw in just one system will replicate through all the other systems. Oh, yeah. It's tied together. It's all That's tied right. together. It's fractal. Yep. It exasperates that flaw everywhere. And so That's here's right. the thing is yeah. if our computer systems have a flaw, what does that tell you about the nature of reality? It has a it flaw. It has a flaw. There you go. Everything's if flawed. our computer systems can be hacked, then reality can be hacked. Man. Okay. I think the, from the standpoint of this infinity concept that's in my head, is flawed i think that's genius you can never be something like a number can never be perfectly round mm -hmm. you can't have a perfectly round sphere ever no matter how round you get it right. you can never have a perfectly flat surface you can never have a perfectly sized object in any manner technically i believe that right but but here's the beauty of it we are conscious beings operating on this plane of existence if, if I told you there is a possibility that you could find a way right now to mentally connect to the universe and hack it and open up the operating system yeah. and change things, would you do it? I think I would. Absolutely. Probably, yeah. I would. Uh, and what if I'd... this is what they've been doing the whole time? What if this is why they've hidden occult and esoteric knowledge from the people. What if this is why they're genetically modifying us so that we do not evolve genetically and learn this naturally through evolution? What if this is what they've been doing all along? What if things like uh, what Philip K. Dick has been talking about, simulation theory, that we live in a simulation, the Mandela effect, all these things are coming about because they have been hacking the totality of reality, changing subtle things over time maybe dude man those jerks. Okay. highly likely <laughs> so what we're gonna do 
is yeah. in 30 minutes from now, we're going to go to Fringe After Dark. Everybody's invited. You just have to be a free member of the Social Red Pill, socialredpill.com. Go on there. It's Zoom only. You can join with your camera and your mic off. You don't have to worry about being seen or heard. You can join on there, socialredpill.com. Join up for a free profile. If you can support us, you can join up with those subscription memberships. But what we'll do is uh, we'll, we'll, we're just going to jump into the, uh, the Social Red Pill chat So because we're not going to cool. stream it. So what we'll do is I'll put that link out about five minutes before. That's going to be in 30 minutes from now. And we're going to continue this conversation with people from the Social Red Pill. I know Yay and Rosemary and everybody else is going to jump in there. So we'll see you guys there in about 30 minutes. Thank you so much for Summer for joining us. We're going to see a lot more of you and Vince as well. You guys are absolutely awesome. Much appreciated. God bless you guys. All of you take care. We'll see you later. Good night. Good night, everyone.